following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this hot Thursday afternoon. Carter, happy Thursday, man. Tomorrow is Friday. We're almost there, my man. We are. We are. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what plays out over the next, what, 72, 96 mm-hmm. hours with, with Auburn. I want to see... I think we have a, we all have a lot of questions. We, it feels like the last 72 hours, the blows just keep coming for Auburn football. They just keep coming, and, and there's a lot more to go over in the next four or five days. Between now and Monday, there's a lot to happen, a lot to talk about, and we are going to do just that here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love for you to call in and give us your thoughts on everything going on with Auburn football as they get ready to, to play Missouri on Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium again 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us and before we get to that Carter tomorrow night we're on the road yet again my man going to Macon East Academy as our Lee Scott Warriors are on the road taking on Macon East the Knights of Macon East in a non-region matchup uh we've had one home game this year but we're getting there we end the year with a bunch of home games so we're ready for that but over on AU 100 that's 100.3 on the Lee Scott Sports Network you can listen to me and Carter tomorrow night at Macon East broadcast time 6 30 kickoff at 7. This is the uh, second to last road game, correct? Correct. We have one more. We have one Bessemer. more road game at Bessemer. That's correct. So next week we're home, and then we have a road game at Bessemer, and then we end the season with three straight home games uh, for the regular season. Uh, hopefully, at least Scott keeps doing their winning thing, and we can host a playoff game for the first round. That would be really, really cool. Uh, but tomorrow night, Lee Scott at Macon East Academy again. Broadcast at six thirty. Kickoff at seven on the home of the Lee Scott Sports Network AU one hundred, or you can find the video stream on the Lee Scott Sports Network, and you can find. Uh, on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page and the Lee Scott Sports Network YouTube channel. So many, many options for you to pull up and listen to us. Also tomorrow night, 6.30 and then 7 o'clock is Auburn High, the number one team in 7A ball for the third straight week now. Auburn High is the number one team in the state. They are at home against Ramsey, so you can listen to that on the home of the Auburn High School Sports Network over on our sister station, Wings 94.3. You can fi- you can find that, again, broadcast time at 6.30, and kickoff is at 7 with Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, and Jack Cudden. So you got two games flip back and forth tomorrow night. Should be uh, two big matchups as both Auburn High and Lee Scott are undefeated. But just an update on what is happening tomorrow night with the local high school teams but let's get into some Auburn University news and uh, yet again like you said the blows just keep coming for this team where we heard some reports slash rumors yesterday about 
Zach Calzada possibly uh, taking a medical red shirt and the future of him would be in question. Well, it's now official. He's out for the season because he's getting sh- uh, off shoulder surgery. That's a, that's a mouth twister yeah, right there. His, his non-throwing shoulder. His non-throwing shoulder, the one he had injured already, already had a little surgery on that held him out of the spring. He is now going to get that shoulder, uh, get more surgery on it, and he's out for the season. And from what I understand, the plan is for him to probably end up transferring, and could you blame him? Well, that that's interesting because I've I would have assumed that too, but I just saw literally right as we were coming on air here, you saw Justin Hokinson update his his story on it and he said sources now tell Auburn Live that as of now, Calzada plans to rehab at Auburn and remain at Auburn working towards competing for the quarterback position in the spring. Why? I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. <laughs> I, I, I think, not not I that think, he's wrong. I just think his mind may change as he goes I through think, this. I, well, I think that's something. That may be what they're saying right now. Exactly. But there's no reason to say anything else right now. In We're still in the month of September. That's I exactly mean, right. There's there's no reason to go be like, yeah, we're peacing out as soon as we get this surgery done. See y'all later. Hope y'all, hope y'all have fun with, with everything this fall. There's... There's no point in doing that. There's no point in burning that bridge. I don't expect Zach Calzada to be on this roster next year, just given everything that's happening, mm-hmm. that has happened. But obviously, there may be a different man at the helm, man or, or woman, at yeah, the helm. Yeah, we don't segregate the, on this show. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there may be somebody different at the helm here, so maybe that person convinces Zach Calzada to stick around. Could be. Right now, I would I would lean pretty heavily toward him not being on the roster next year. Heck, I also I also lean towards TJ Finley not being on the roster. After the things that we have seen in the last 48 hours or so from TJ, and then obviously his his dad went on a podcast with the, the Locked on Auburn podcast and was very critical of the coaching staff. I just don't think that that's creating a very great environment uh, surrounding TJ in the Auburn locker room I would imagine it's interesting you bring up the thing about TJ Finley because in the summer coming into the season where I was dead set and again I will be the first one to tell you that I was wrong because all summer long I was like it's going to be Zach Calzada it's going to be Zach Calzada it's going to be Zach Calzada and I had the take that TJ Finley would end up transferring because of that because he wouldn't be playing and he came if you remember his quote when he transferred from LSU to Auburn he said I'm coming here to be the starter and Mm -hmm. my assumption was if Zach Calzada got the starting job he was going to be good here I said that TJ Finley would transfer because of that Now, it's looking like that could still be a possibility, but it's for a big different reason. I mean, he ended up winning the starting job. He was the starting quarterback, and now that he is hurt, he still, even when he was the starter, uh, we've heard his dad talk about it now. We've heard we've talked about it. We've heard other people talk about it. He still hasn't gotten a full start, uh, a full starting rotation. It hasn't felt like he's truly the starting quarterback because of the the two quarterback system we've seen with him and Robbie Ashford and so when he does come back healthy because obviously TJ Finley in case you did miss it TJ Finley is out Saturday with an injury he got banged up in the Penn State game so he is out Saturday something that was interesting that that TJ's dad said I was listening to it a little bit he said that he's so banged up that the family the, the Finley family was having to help TJ get shirts on and off his body on Saturday on Sunday 
because he's he's that banged up. And what, if he's yeah. that banged up, I don't see this timeline that his dad said one to three weeks. I don't see that happening if he can't put a shirt on and off by himself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much step one of getting ready to play for the football game. So we'll see yeah. how it is with TJ. But here's the status for Saturday. TJ Finley, out. Zach Calzada, out for the season. You now have Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner. And I think that fourth possibility is beginning to creep in even more. And I mean, because it has to. It because it, it literally, because there's nowhere else to go. Because if I Robbie... Mean, it's, it's not going to be Sawyer Payton. It's not going to be Trey Lindsay. Right, Let's exactly. And, and God forbid Robbie have a bad game or get hurt. It is holding Garner at that point. So we're going to get into that possibility in just a little bit. But I think, uh, again, talking about Zach Calzada and possibly TJ Finley, possibly both of them, none of them, whatever, transferring, like you said, as of right now, they're saying that Zach Calzada is going to stay and compete in the spring. Uh, you put, I think you put it really, really well where why would they say anything different right now? There's Yeah, there's, there's no reason to right. burn a bridge at Auburn. For any reason, right? But I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be here. Just because he came here expecting... And a guy like him should have had this mindset. He came here expecting to be the starter. He came here expecting to be the guy in the quarterback room. And clearly health played a role in that. Which all all the more reason the comments by Harson this week are dumb. Yeah. When he gets asked, is Zach Calzada 100% healthy? And he snaps back at the the reporter, do you know something I don't? And... Just gets all snippy with everybody. That's well. Now your quarterback, your your third string quarterback, is having shoulder surgery and is going to miss the season. You look like a fool when you do that. But I think part of this is uh, again we've seen Zach Calzada get surgery on this shoulder before, and was this an immediate surgery that had to be done right now? Probably, Probably not. not. And so maybe this was him saying, you know what. I'm tired of being here. I'm not going to waste this season on my reputation, on my career, on my eligibility. Screw it. I'm going to go ahead and get surgery and get out. I said I said as much yesterday that they had kind of messed around enough with Zach Calzada, not giving giving him reps in game, not naming him the starter. That the they the coaches got to a point where they had to make a decision on who's going to play quarterback on Saturday, and the decision got taken out of their hands. Because And they left this door open for Zach Calzada to do this. Zach Calzada was able to make a decision about his future. And I, you know what? I credit him for making the best decision for his future. Right. And I wholeheartedly agree that this is the, the best decision for him. I think it is disappointing that... It is. It's disappointing that he's having to get surgery and he's out for the season. But what is a bigger disappointment, and we've talked about it, is the hype that was around this man when he transferred to Auburn. And again, uh, I was the first... People were calling him Goat Zada. Literally. (laughs) I mean, I was one of the people... Again, I'll admit, I was one of those people who jumped on it and said, this guy is good, and this guy is going to be your starter. He has a potential chance to make Auburn really, really good this year. And it turns out, he comes in, and the, the report is the exact same no matter where you look. He was not able to learn the offense. That's what this came down to. Did injury have something to do with that? Absolutely, because he didn't play any in the spring. And then it's summer ball. You can't really do a whole lot. And then the fall came around, and he still wasn't able to fully pick up the offense. Now, was there more to it? Maybe. 
But fact of the matter is, he didn't touch the field in three games for Auburn. Yeah. And so there's no doubt that that is disappointing with where we were at when he started and transferred here versus where we're at now where he gets offseason or he gets midseason or in season, whatever you want to call it, in season surgery. He's out for the season and there's a good chance he's not at Auburn next year. No, I, I 100% agree. I don't think that. I don't think I don't expect Zach Calzada or TJ Finley to be on this roster next year. I agree. All the more reason whoever's going to be, and I, I know I'm thinking ahead. Whoever the next coach is, I think it's vital to go find a transfer portal quarterback because you are you don't have a lot of scholarship guys. You have you would have two going to next year because there's not a 2023 quarterback commit. This this staff you want you want to talk about recruiting this staff swung and missed on like five dudes it felt like yep and and every time it felt like they had a dude in the bag Ohio State or Clemson or somebody would enter the picture and just take him from from Auburn and and Auburn's gonna lose that every single time I mean that's just where we are right now and so yesterday you talked about playing for the future and building for the future with these quarterbacks and with some other guys well. Now Auburn doesn't really have a chance, but it's still I'm still on the boat of you've still got to play for 2022 and try to give yourself a chance to win. But as of right now, whether Auburn wins right now or not, you sort of are building for the future with these two guys, whether it be Robbie Ashford or Zach Calzada, or I mean, I mean with you Holden Garner, because you don't have any other options. You aren't trying to build for the future, but when it's two when it's a redshirt freshman and a true freshman are the only guys that are healthy enough to play. Yep. Then yeah, I mean, I guess you you are building to the future because these are the two guys that you know for sure are going to be on the roster next year. That's assuming Holden doesn't transfer out. I would, I don't think he would. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, oh my gosh, be, I hope not. Because Rob Robbie has to stay, and 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 we know this because Robbie is a redshirt freshman. Robbie has he has not graduated. He's already transferred once. If he transferred. He'd have to go sit out somewhere. He'd have to so, sit so out. There's, there's no point in Robbie leaving. Plus, he's close to home, and I know that was a big part of him leaving Oregon. It was he wanted to come close to home, and he's getting, I mean, heck, he's getting reps in the game. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, right right now, how many other Power 5 schools in the general vicinity of Hoover, Alabama, do we think Robbie Ashford would be getting in-game reps with? I don't think it's that many. I re- like, and that's, and that's not an indictment of... That that's not me saying Robbie can't be a good player. I think he has an extremely high ceiling. I just think he is still very very raw, and you see that when he does throw his picks. Sometimes they are in moments where it's like, I you, you're staring somebody down. You should see that this is not where to go with the ball, and you still kind of force it in there and you throw a pick. But I am excited about the future with Robbie Ashford. He's going to get a lot of reps here the rest of the year, and. Um, <laughs> Like like I said yesterday, my my mind is already drifting towards 2023, and that's just because I it just feels like everything that can go wrong is going wrong for this Auburn team. Yeah, it is. And if Robbie is the guy on Saturday, at which we assume he will be, but we're going to actually get into that in just a second. If he is the guy. And for the rest of the season, this is great experience because he's going to be playing the best of the best. And we know he's really athletic. We know he can make plays with his legs. Can he throw the football? Yeah. Right now, no. But he needs to develop that. And he's going to have plenty of chances to do that in these next few games. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's this is going to be an opportunity for, I guess, coming into the season, Holden Gurner, once we got into fall camp and we saw how it was playing out, he probably didn't think there was a scenario in the world where 
he'd be getting legitimate reps in the first SEC game of the season. And maybe we'll and find I out he's got Holden that too. he's got that dog in him, right? Maybe we'll find that out. Maybe he's maybe he's one of the guys who when he steps on the field uh, and the lights come on, what he do you just want him to be like Joe Burrow behind that Bengals offensive line in the last couple of years just yep. be yep. just be a stud and yep. just I want this guy to put himself in the Heisman race 4 weeks in. I want him to do it. Can he do it? No, but but I, I I love this kid. I think he's I think he's really good. And so look, we're gonna you're, talk to quarterback situation you are over here. Try you're putting Caleb Williams level expectations on him. <laughs> Middle of the year, come in as the starter. That's right. Yourself that's into right. the Heisman race. That's right. That's right. Hey, look, you you got to have hopes, and that's what Auburn fans do. You have high hopes, and you get disappointed. That's just kind of what it is in the Auburn Alabama. But let's check our first break of hour number one three three four three two one thirteen ninety question of the day it's about the quarterbacks when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 question of the day here on the thursday edition of on the line jacob goins and carter bird with you on espn 1067 auburn open like a sports leader Question of the day is for Saturday. Since Auburn's down to two quarterbacks, TJ Finley is out this week. Zach Calzada is out for the season. Auburn's down to two legitimate scholarship quarterbacks that have a chance in playing on Saturday. Robbie Ashford and Holden Gariner. Carter, we kind of had this discussion yesterday, but now it's even more relevant. Who should start on Saturday and who will start on Saturday? I mean, I think I'm, my answer for those two is go, it's going to be the same because just because of the reps we've seen, we talked about what this offensive line may need in terms of a skill set at quarterback. You either have to revamp the entire offense or you need somebody back there who can move. And that's why I think Robbie Ashford is going to get the start, and I think he should get the start. Now, if you want to go, hey, let's – Let's go short passing game nonstop because I just I still don't feel like the short passing game is quite there. I don't think there's a lot of I'd like to see a lot more more bubble screens, stuff to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands so they're not seeing pressure, not getting sacked seven times in a game like they did on Saturday. So, but I don't think that's gonna happen in one week. I think that may be something that you see down the road, maybe after a bye week, you could see more of that. So I think it's going to be Robbie, and I think Robbie needs to play this kind of like Jaden Daniels is at LSU, and one read and go, and just and get as much yards, get as many yards as you can with your legs, and then with that first read, and just try to keep from getting just battered back there behind the offensive line. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love for you to chime in on the question of the day. Who should start on Saturday, Robbie or Holden Garner, and who will start on Saturday? Because they could be two different answers. Carter's answers were not, but you could have a different answer if you wanted to. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you. When it comes to Robbie and Holden Garner, they're two different quarterbacks, right? Robbie Ashford is your athletic playmaker still sort of struggling to throw the football type of quarterback right now gives you some excitement with his legs like we've seen some Auburn quarterbacks do in the past we don't know a whole lot about holding Garrett let's just be honest we don't know a ton because all we've seen is him slinging around in practice which he's slinging it around we've heard he's the better he's the best thrower on the team we've heard he's young and we've also uh, that's 
pretty much all we know because we, we know we know that part of the sales pitch to Austin Davis coming to Auburn that Harson made was hey Holden Gurner is a future All-American quarterback which coming from Harson I'm not sure how much more more water that really holds to me at this point in time. Right, but Honan Garner's good. I mean, the guy can throw yeah, the football. no, I think he's very talented. And so you compare a guy like him who is a, for what we know, a pocket passer, but he is, uh, we don't know. We don't know if he can make plays with his legs yet. We don't know if he can scramble and pick up first downs I on third and five. Test, I don't want to throw him out there and say, I agree. hey, can you survive? I, I uh, agree. Can you be a dual threat guy in the SEC, the SEC opener? But what, from what we know, his strengths are throwing the football. And so that would fit Auburn's offense best right now. But is that what Auburn needs? Because just because he can stand back there and throw it doesn't mean he's going to have time to stand back there and throw it. And really all Auburn needs right now is a guy that can turn and hand the football off. That's what Auburn needs. Can you touch the snap and turn and hand the ball off to Tank Bigsby? That's what Auburn needs right now. You're, you're starting to sound like our, our, friend, our friend Terry there. With, with what does Auburn want rather than what does Auburn need. And you know what? Terry's been preaching that for a long time, yeah. and Terry's right at this point. because And he was sort of right then. He's really right now. Because with Auburn and Auburn's offense, you have two guys with the quarterbacks. You yeah, have yeah. Robbie Ashford and you have Holden Garner. So who should start on Saturday? Uh, who should start? Probably Robbie because he does have it, the experience. I think it probably should be Robbie, and it will be Robbie. I think so, too. But to this point, even when T.J. Finley was named QB1 and was your definite starting quarterback, Robbie Ashford still got reps. Is that going to carry over on Saturday? Are we going to see two quarterbacks play? Probably. Let's just be honest. Probably so. Regardless of who, who plays, who starts or who plays at quarterback, there needs to be 8 to 12 freebies on the on the play call sheet throws that you are a hundred percent sure they're short high percentage that you are sure these two quarterbacks can make to help get them in a rhythm confidence confidence. yep but if you go out there and like i think back to to uh some of the the gus malzahn years if it's behind a bad offensive line, a play action, deep ball, slow developing, and you're going to put pressure in these kids' face and say, figure it out, that's not going to go well on Saturday. You need to figure out a way to get the ball out of their hands quickly, get it in playmakers' hands, and get them in a rhythm and have them feeling confident. That's what you need. And not letting them throw it once or twice, getting two completions, and then throwing the other guy in there and yanking him out of the game. Yeah. and that, I mean, Auburn's got to figure out a new game plan. Surely to God, they figured that out by now, that the game plan is not working. So, so again, I feel- if the game plan's not working, then maybe they'll change it, and maybe it would be best for Holden Gariner to start if they change the game plan. I don't know. And we're not going to know that until they take the field on Saturday. I just have, like... I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that Gurner is buried fourth on the depth chart, and then a couple injuries to your starter and your third string guy means he's going to be the starter and he's going to be out there for the majority of the game. I just think it's that's a lot to ask on the of the true freshman. No, I agree. I think that it would be a lot to ask of Holden Gurner if you if you were to try and start him on Saturday because he was fourth on the depth chart. Maybe not because of skill, but I think that was because of age and youth and having guys ahead of him that have experience and have played in the offense or played somewhere else in the SEC. And so I think that is why 
you saw Holden Garner at fourth on the depth chart. But now it would be tough to say, hey, you were fourth on the depth chart three weeks ago, but we need you to go start against Missouri. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Not only has he not gotten any first-team reps before this week, has he gotten any third-team reps? I, I, he was. He, he's gotten third-string reps. He was getting third. A, but, I mean, he really hasn't repped out with the twos or the threes, or, or, or the ones, really. Right, and so, but I guarantee he will this week. It'll be between him and Robbie Ashford because there's nobody else to catch or throw the football. So, it would be tough to ask of Holden Garner to do that and to start on Saturday. So my answer to the question of who should start on Saturday and who will start on Saturday, I think it should be Robbie Ashford, and I think it will be Robbie Ashford. But if Robbie starts struggling, and and here's the thing too, Robbie should start, and I think Robbie will start, you need to leave him in. There's no reason to take him out. Even after an interception, put him back in the game because you're not going to build any confidence with this kid or give him any any sort of pat on the back or any sort of mental advantage if you start yanking him out in the first quarter. I'm I am extremely worried about the the, the mental the mental toughness of these two young guys just because getting thrown to the fire fully here on Saturday. You're getting thrown into the fire. There's no doubt about it. 30 minutes into hour number one. We're going to head to the phone lines when we get back. 334-321-1390. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Dan, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey, guys. Okay, I, I got a little different take than what you guys are saying okay okay right now we have two quarterbacks total that know this offense that are scholarship players correct okay the other two are hurt or or one of them's out completely and the other one's hurt so in this game i think it's imperative for you to get holden in there to get some practice so that way he's not because with robbie running the ball as much as he does all it takes is one hit and then he's on the sideline for, for 10 minutes getting the cobwebs out. And then Holden's got to be able to go in there and make, make plays. Now, he, Holden did get here in January. He did go through spring practice. And in the 8A game, he was slinging the ball around. I think he was like 8 for 9, and, and, and he was throwing really good passes right on the money. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's as lost as everybody's like, oh, my God, we're throwing in a, a guy that just showed up in the fall and he's never taken a snap. I think he's probably a lot better than we think. And they did say in practice a number of times that he was the most accurate guy, and I've also heard he's got the strongest arm. So, look, this might be a blessing in disguise for all we know. You know, yeah. look, we should start Robbie because that's part of our team. I mean, he's going to do his run plays, and he's going to get better at passing. And you know what? And you go with that. But I think you have to get Robbie in this game, whether you bring him in for a play or two and do what you've been doing, so be it. But he's got to be ready, too. Robbie's already kind of. I mean, he's been practicing. He's been playing snaps. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, culture. I mean, he's probably happy that he's going to be, you know, playing as much as he's going to play now. Mm-hmm. But I think you got to get Holden going, and it, he might be. He might have that hit factor that we don't know. Right. You know, you know they might have just put him on the. I mean, put him into to the scout team just because he was a freshman. But if he wouldn't have been a freshman, who knows where he might have been? He might have been right in the mix right the whole time. So. 
Yeah, and Dan, that's you know, that's sort of what I said was that or what um, that Holden was put at fourth string just because of his age and the guys ahead of him had the experience against him, which is why he was probably fourth string, not because of skill set, but just because of of, of situation. But uh, it, it's confusing and it, it's it's. It's, it's difficult because on Saturday, Robbie is more than likely going to start. And I see where you're coming from in, in wanting to get Holden in and making sure he's ready to go. And I think he is going to be really good. And I think he could have that it factor. You're absolutely right. We, we, he could be the kid where when the lights come on, it just so does his game. And he just comes out and dominates whoever he plays. He very well could be that guy. But as of right now, if that's going to be the case then you need to start him rather than doing this two-quarterback system because it just doesn't work. Auburn has tried for years to do this, and it just doesn't work here, and I don't think it's going to work this year, especially with two younger guys. And from what we've heard about Robbie Ashford and what we've seen with Robbie Ashford already is, I mean, the guy hasn't played five snaps in a row, and his confidence is... Well, I mean, he he played that back half of Mercer and then played played the back half on Saturday when when TJ went down. Right. And, And honestly... You saw some moments where it felt like he got into a little bit of a, of, of a rhythm and moved the ball a little bit. The, the best we've seen him pass it, I think, may have been that late Penn State game. Yeah, which is why I want to see him play more consistently and not be pulled out constantly. But I see where you're coming from, Dan, trying to get Holden in there to make sure he's ready playing for the rest of this season, next year, whatever it may be. Yeah. That's it. I think, look, you just got to do it. Yeah, and appreciate look, guys. yeah, we appreciate the call, Dan. Look, he makes a great point because he he's what Dan is saying is he wants Holden to get into the game so that way if something, God forbid, were to happen to Robbie, then he is ready to go. And he's right. Holden Garner is not – he didn't show up on campus last week. The guy has played football, and he knows the offense from what I we mean, know. I he's, mean, he's been on campus every bit as long as, as Robbie Ash. Exactly. Which, 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 fair there, if you want to talk about knowledge of the offense, it's, I guess it comes down to a matter of who's picking it up faster. And I, I, I do think that, I mean, if Holden Garner was actually the best quarterback – they would have let him win the job. You don't you don't sit a true freshman just because of his age. Now, if he's not going to win the job, then it does make sense to put him down there on the depth chart, give him time in the weight room, give him time to develop, and also take the it, pressure off of him. Yeah, and 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 I think that that makes sense. But but I think you're in a situation where where this isn't this isn't Mercer on Saturday. This isn't San Jose State. This isn't. Name a G5 team that you should be able to handle regardless of who plays quarterback. This is an SEC game. And as great as it is to get reps for Holden Gurner on Saturday, this staff has to win the game. Got to. And that's why you can't throw the true freshman out there for the sake of throwing him out there to get him reps. Mm-hmm. He can, He only needs to go out there if he is one competitive, knows the offense, and can help you win the game. If not, I think you stick with, with, with Robbie Ashford. I think you're going to see both, but I think while, while yes, Robbie is one hit away from, from going down and this being Holden's show, the staff has to win. And, and like, there's, there's no room for error anymore. And there's, there's, no, there's no messing around. Like, you have to put the guy back there that's going to win this game on Saturday. And right now, just because of the reps we have seen, I don't think you can go with anybody but Robbie Ashford. I think Holden will get some reps. I don't know how much, though. Yeah, 
I mean, you you got to put the guy back there, and it sounds it sounds dumb, but you've got to put the guy back there that's going to give you the best chance to win the football game. And again, from what we know right now, and from what we've seen, and from what we've heard, that option is Robbie Ashford. Now, would we like to see Holden Gariner? Sure, we would love to see him because, again, like Dan mentioned, all we've heard is that he can throw the football really, really well, and we saw him do it in the spring game. And take that for what you will, but. He can throw the ball, and we think he, and we know he has a lot of talent. And uh, Dan was talking about how maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Possibly, I don't know. I mean, maybe Robbie, when he gets consistent play and he can actually play for a half, maybe you're going to see this guy get comfortable and have some confidence and be able to throw the football better and make plays with his legs and give Auburn a chance to have an explosive offense and and be more versatile in play calling and give this offense a chance to be successful. Maybe, but we're going to find out. But to this point, you've got to go with Robbie, I think, and you've got to stick with Robbie. And and it would be the same way if the if the roles were reversed. If Holden Garner was QB three, or I guess QB two technically, but if the roles were reversed right now, and it was Holden Garner who had had some of the reps this season, and he was going to be probably the starter on Saturday, and it was Robbie behind him, I would say the same thing about Holden, where you need to play the guy that's already yeah. played and play the guy who was higher on the depth chart and play the guy because there's there's not that room for error in any exactly. fashion. It's a conference game. Exactly. This, you want to make the argument that the loss Saturday doesn't really matter? Okay, well then, this one on Saturday matters a heck of a lot, especially coming off that loss. Well, the first five games, we talked about how important they were, and you had to go 4-1 and one or 5-0. and oh. Well, here's your one loss. You've got it. And so the next two games, you have to win 100%. If you win these next two, and then you lose to Georgia, I think Brian Harson and Auburn, Brian Harson will still be around if you can do that. Because that is a realistic expectation with this year's team to go, what, it would be four and two in your first six games. And that includes playing Georgia, LSU, and Penn State. So I think that would be okay. But you can't even be thinking about those other games because you legitimately have to get up, play against Missouri at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And you've got to show up and play for four quarters because there's a lot of people, some of us may be in this room that think Auburn could beat or could lose to Missouri on Saturday. And so you've got to get up and win this game. Who's it going to be, Robbie Ashford or Holden Gariner? We're going to find out. If it were were Mercer, by all means, I give Holden Gariner plenty of snaps. Exactly. Give him him almost as many snaps as as he can handle on Saturday. But it's Missouri. It's a conference game. SEC. And while Missouri is bad – they still are playing at a similar level as this Auburn team to this point in the year, so they're still dangerous. They're still because, dangerous. Because this Auburn team has not been sharp in any fashion this year. And think about how tough this is, right? We we know that Brian Harson is feeling the pressure. We, we have seen it. We have heard it. We know he's feeling the pressure. But think about what he's having to go through right now. You're three games into the season. You haven't looked good. Your starting quarterback is out with injury. Your third-string quarterback is now out for the season with surgery. You're having to now decide, do I play uh, Do I play a, a rookie who has played limited snaps this year, or do I play another rookie who hasn't seen the field all season long? And you're having to deal with this in the season, three games in, and your first conference game, you're having to deal with this. this is, these are the types of battles we've seen Brian Harson have to battle 
his entire uh, his entire career hasn't been here super long, but these are the types of things we've seen because look at last year. After a good start, Bo Nix goes down, and then that's when it all started crumbling, right? So there's a lot of things that need to be fixed with Auburn. There's a lot of things that Brian Harson hasn't done well and has and needs to fix with Auburn, but it's things like this where you just kind of have to step back and think, The dude's got a tough job right now, and this is a tough spot to be in. You're three weeks into the season. It's the opening game of conference play, and you're having to decide who to start at quarterback because two of your four guys are out. Yeah, but, I mean, this this fall, it's a little bit on – like, last fall he inherited a roster. Bo Nix was there. Uh, TJ Finley's there. Bo Nix goes down. TJ may not be ready for the moment. Struggles. Okay, I'll give you that. It was your decision to go get a quarterback who apparently is not healthy enough to play a snap this year. And it was your decision to hang your hat on him. There were other quarterbacks in the portal that you could have pursued. I mean, look at, look at these guys all over the country that are balling out. Michael Penix right now has 1,000 yards passing through three games of his Washington career. There, there are people all over the country that are putting up numbers as transfer quarterbacks and you, you hung your hat. You said, this is our guy. And he wasn't healthy enough to play a snap this season. But is that the case? Or is this, again, I think there's, there's some debate on the Zach Calzada thing because is he truly unhealthy enough to play? Or is it he didn't learn the offense, he didn't see the field, and he decided to make a decision and just say, you know what, I'm not going to hang around and be the third string anymore. I'm going to get a medical red shirt. I'm going to get surgery. And we're going to dip out and go somewhere else. Well, Regardless, we know the injury has played an impact in that because he w- did not play this spring right. because of injury. And we, we so, knew that when he transferred. So, yes, exactly, exactly. And if he struggled to learn the playbook, I think you have to, you have to realize that a large portion of that is because you went and he could not play in the spring. You went and got a hurt quarterback and you banked on him winning the job on limited reps. You did like this plan turned out to be a lot more foolish than maybe it, it I think it was in, in Brian Harson's mind when he went and landed Zach Calzada. Because Zach yeah. Calzada was his guy. There's a lot more baggage on this situation than I think they probably planned on. Yeah, and it's just it's as bad as this situation is, it's a little bit on yourself. You didn't go out and get any of the transfer offensive linemen. Heck, you only signed one high school offensive lineman at all. Yeah, and then you went and got a hurt quarterback that is now have he's having surgery next week and is going to miss the year. Like a lot of this is brought on by yourself and your decisions in the transfer portal and recruiting this offseason. You don't plan on two of your four quarterbacks to go down through three That's weeks fair. of the season, but you've got to be ready and you've got to have the guys at other positions who are able to step up because these things happen. This is football. This is sports. I mean, these things happen and no, you don't plan on it, but you've got to be ready and you've got to have the guys around you to make up for when these types of things happen. And right now, Auburn doesn't. What you, what you can't have is four quarterbacks, four scholarship quarterbacks in that room and have it be a true freshman. So we're going to, we're going to call them a project for right now, a redshirt freshman project a redshirt sophomore average quarterback, to, you could potentially say project there with T.J. Finley, and then a hurt quarterback. That's, that's poor planning. That really is. Yeah, it is poor planning. And, and when you get into the fall and you're coming into the season and you're ready for your first and second games and 
there's legitimate debate and conversation that all four quarterbacks could have a chance in playing or being a starter because was Holden Garner going to start? No, probably not. But you can make a case for it. Was that Calzada going to start? No, probably not coming into week one. But there was a legitimate case for it. And then, of course, the debate was TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford. So that's not a good look. And Auburn, like you said, a lot. some of this is on Harson. I don't want to say all of it because, I'm again. I say all of it, no. Right. But, but, but you don't plan on these things. But a decent portion of it is. Yeah, absolutely. It 100% is. And, uh, again, you don't plan on these things to happen. But you've got to be ready. And my biggest thing is you've got to have the guys around you to make up for it. Does Auburn have some of those guys? Yes, you do. You have running backs who are extremely good. You have receivers who have stepped up. But you don't have the offensive line right now to help you. And your quarterback situation is a big old question mark like it was to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't... I don't blame him as much for the quarterback situation in year one because you're coming in first year kind of having to adjust to a lot, that's understandable. And you have you have Bo Nix and you have TJ Finley who had made starts at LSU. But what we're looking at now, I mean, it's I, I, a little bit of this is, huh, maybe we only looked at, at the upside and we didn't, we didn't cover our bases. We didn't look at, hey, what are some ways that this can go wrong? What are some, what are some consequences of, of these decisions that we make if things start to go haywire? And they're playing out. Now you have two scholarship quarterbacks for who knows how long. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you and what you have to say on this entire situation with Auburn football as they have two quarterbacks and they're trying to figure out who's starting on Saturday against Missouri. 334-321-1390. Come in and join us. We'd love to hear from you. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the first hour with some Atlanta Braves conversation here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. This is my fourth day pulling double duty here at the station with uh, you're ben, doing it tomorrow. Yep, we're doing it tomorrow with Ben Taylor being out this week. Uh, I've been hosting Auburn Opelika this morning over on our sister station, News Talk WANI 98.7. Uh, it's the News Talk show from 6 to 9 in the morning, so I've been getting up at 5 a.m., coming in, doing the three-hour show in the morning, um, handling some of the responsibilities that Ben normally does when he is here as our director of operations. Uh, I'm the assistant director of operations, so when Ben's out, you got to ha- kind of help out a little bit. So I've uh, been doing some of the things he normally does, then plus my stuff, then doing the show. Like, it's been a week, man, and tomorrow is going to be a hefty day for, for myself. I'm going to be doing Auburn Obelika this morning from 6 to 9 on News Talk WANI. Be doing the two-hour on the line right here on ESPN 106.7. And then we'll hit the road and we'll go to Macon East Academy for Lee Scott versus Macon East. So we'll be calling some Friday night football on the road. So tomorrow is going to be a busy day. You think I took a nap today? I promise you I'm going to go home and take a nap tomorrow. So we're going to get through it, though, and we're excited. It's fun. You got This is why they always say, Carter, you got to love what you do because if not, you'd be miserable, right? And so I love what I do and excited to be able to do it. But we've got a few minutes here left or uh, left in this first hour and 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. 
And Carter, like we normally do, wrapping up the uh, the first hour, talking some Atlanta Braves and the situation as it stands right now on Thursday, September 22nd. You didn't lose ground yesterday. We were on the air when yep. they dropped that game to uh, the Nationals 3-2, to two, but thankfully the Brewers got off the mat and got a win. I almost uh, jinxed them during the show yesterday when I almost said they're finally going to get that win they should have gotten yesterday, but I caught myself in the middle, and yep. they went on to win it. So That's right. That. That's right. So the Braves now open up a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. Then they play another three-game series on the road at Washington. So in their last, uh, let's see, in their last six games, the Braves are five and one. They've beaten, they swept the Phillies, and they took two of three from the Nationals, and they're about to play those same two teams again. We need the same result. Five and one would be good with me if they decide to do that in their next six games. Uh, they have the seven do games you, now against these two teams. Are you aware of what the Phillies are in their last six? Uh, no, I'm not. One in five. One in five. Great time to get them then. Great they, time they, to get them. They got that 4-3 win yesterday, but they had lost the previous five, uh, including a sweep to the Braves, by, by the Braves, and then an 18-11 to loss to the Blue Jays. It just like a, oh, I saw that score. That was. That was gross. That's more points than you're going to see in, in Iowa Rutgers this weekend, uh, where the over-under is 34 and a half. That's so bad. <laughs> that is so bad. Oh, my goodness. But looking at the schedule for the Braves, there's only four series left in the regular season. I mean, that is so crazy. We are that close to postseason baseball. Of course, the Braves have already clinched. Now they're just trying to see if they can win the division and, and get a much better spot in the postseason they've got the Phillies they've got the Nationals they have that massive series against the Mets and then they finish off with the Marlins so uh, I mean if you're the Braves again you've got to take care of business you just beat these two teams pretty good you've got to beat them again the Phillies and the Nationals then you have a three-game series against the Mets Friday September 30th Saturday October 1st and Sunday October 7th in Atlanta so there's only one more series at home in the regular season and it's if you're the Mets series yeah it's the Mets series it's gonna come down to it I'm telling you it's going to come down to that series because you look at the Mets and what they have left uh they've got let's see I'm pulling it up right now they have three games against the A's at Oakland then they have two games at home against Miami they come to Atlanta for a three-game series and they end the season with three games at home against the Nationals so you would expect the Mets to probably take care of business in most of these ball games you would think the same thing from the Braves it's going to come down to the series in Atlanta I mean we've said that plenty of times though when this Mets team goes and plays really bad teams and finds just finds a way to scuffle enough for the Braves to make up a little bit of ground? All we can do is hope. The Braves are a game back. I mean, literally, all it takes is one day for this entire thing to shift. All it takes is the Braves to win and the Mets to lose, and it flips. So, you know what's so frustrating? The Mets, in that two-game series against the Marlins, they miss Alcantara, the NL Cy Young. Yep, yep. Look, the Braves are so close. It's coming down to that series in Atlanta. I cannot wait. Hour number one, officially in the books. Come back. We've got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. On the line. 
Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny, hot, and beautiful Thursday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, if you missed any of our number one, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can find it there. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. Again, that's ESPNAU.com. Uh, we had great conversation about the Auburn quarterback situation. Uh and really, that the quarterback situation and just the, the whole Auburn situation uh, as a whole, we had the question of the day. We'll get to that in just a little bit as well. But again, if you missed any of the first hour, go and find the podcast. Just search on the line, or you can find it at ESPNAU.com. Also at ESPNAU.com, you can enter our SEC football challenge. You can go in and submit your picks every single week. They're due by tomorrow night. If, you, uh, if you've if you been involved, we appreciate you, and we see you out there. We've seen some really, really good scores. Uh, we've had three winners so far, but if you're unfamiliar with what it is, it's the SEC Football Challenge, so every single week of the SEC football season, you can go to ESPNAU.com, click on the contest tab, and you'll find the SEC football challenge, and you can submit your picks every single week for every SEC football game in the conference. Pick your winners, submit your picks, and one winner, whoever picks the most games correctly at the end of the week, you'll win a prize pack uh, thanks to our four sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Wickles Pickles. Uh, you also have Buffalo Rock Pepsi, and uh, oh, there's what there's one more. I'm forgetting who it is. Orthopedic Clinic, Wickles Pickles, Buffalo Rock Pepsi. There's one more. I'm forgetting who it is. Johnny Brusco's? Johnny Brusco's. That's it. Thank you, sir. Yes, gotcha. Johnny Brusco's. Uh, so those four sponsors, we're very thankful for them. Uh, you get a – sometimes there's prize packs. Sometimes there's gift cards, 12 packs of Pepsi. And so you can uh, go in and submit your picks. And then at the very end of the season, whoever has the most games picked correctly is going to win – a 50-inch flat-screen 4K Ultra HD smart TV, the whole nine yards. You're going to win that bad baby. So make sure you get in, submit your picks. It's not too late. Picks are due by Friday night every single week, so make sure you go and do How that. How about this? 81% of, of the people picking have mm-hmm. picked Auburn on Saturday. Really? That's really high. I thought it would. That's kind of high. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Also, but, also, who the heck is this 2% that picked Bowling Green to beat Mississippi State? Scott Leffler ain't going into Starkville and getting that done. <laughs> hey, man, college football, it's a wild game. But <laughs> you can go and play with your buddies, play with your friends. You can see how everybody's doing. It's the ESPN uh, SEC Football Challenge at ESPNAU.com. Be sure you go and do that. But hour number two, officially underway, 334-321-1390. That number again, 
again, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. Anything you have to say about what's going on around college football, around athletics in general, around sports, anything you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. And as we get into making headlines here on Thursday, September 22nd, 2022, the news of Zach Calzada is out today. Of course, TJ Finley is already out for the week with an injury, but Zach Calzada will have surgery on his shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, the one that has given him problems uh, since he's been at Auburn, even before he got to Auburn. He is going to have surgery on it. He is now out for the season. So coming into Saturday against Missouri, Auburn is down to two quarterbacks, Robbie Ashford and Holden Gariner. Carter, your thoughts on Calzada being out for the season and Auburn being down to just two quarterbacks on Saturday? Well, it's not good. It's not good at all. Uh, It's concerning, and I think that uh, especially when you have have a season that – and look, I know that it's only week four, but – it's starting to feel like we're starting to teeter on the edge here. Seems like we've had a whole season already in three weeks. Yeah, and it feels like that this this game Saturday, if you let Penn State beat you twice, this is the this is the teeter point where this thing can fall off a cliff and this thing can crater fast. And that's and now you're handing it over to a redshirt freshman who's taken what? 50 snaps so far in his Auburn career, in his college career. Very limited. And a true freshman who's yet to take a single snap. So that's going to be interesting. How do they respond to being the guys for this team? The the leaders in the huddle, I don't know. It remains to be seen. I I just hope that, that there's a plan to build their confidence and not hang them out there to dry and shatter that confidence and potentially set them back going into year two or the rest of their career or even even next week against LSU. With the loss to Penn State last Saturday, coming into the season, we talked about how important these first five games were for Auburn at home. You have you had two smaller opponents. You had a Penn State revenge game. You have a game against Missouri to open up conference play where you felt confident that Auburn would win. And then you had a big game against LSU. depending you on felt like you could win. You felt like you could win depending on what LSU looked like to that point in the season because expectations were not high for LSU this season. You get three games into this season – you look bad against. You don't look great against Mercer. You look bad you're, against you're San okay, Jose State. Okay against Mercer. You look bad against San Jose State. Yep. And you get the doors blown off of you against Penn State at home. So now you come into the fourth game of the Without season. Without your first or third quarterback, who everybody expected to be your first two quarterbacks coming into the year. Out of your four quarterbacks, you now have two. You've lost that one game that we said Auburn could lose in these first five. We said four and one or five and zero oh has to be the standard in these first five games. You would love to see five and zero, oh, but you've got to go four and one because if you go three and two or God forbid two and three, the whole season will be over and Harson probably won't have a job. That is where we are right now. This Saturday against Missouri is a must-win game for Brian Harson and this program to survive. It's well, a must-win. 
I'm not sure if you heard on Monday. Every every Saturday's must-win game, my man. <laughs> yeah, did that's I hear right. that? Yeah, sorry, uh, but what do I know? Right? What do I know? Well, but yeah, yeah, you you aren't sitting in those meetings, man. Uh, <laughs> do you do you know something I don't? <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is so, so much fun. But, but Saturday but, is. It's a must-win game, and now you're in the situation where your starting quarterback is out. Your third-string quarterback, who you thought was going to be your starter coming into the season, who couldn't learn the offense, has had injury problems. He's now out. And now you're down to two freshmen, one who has a little reps and one that hasn't seen the field all season. It's a bad situation at Auburn right now. So, and think about this. the On Saturday, it, it certainly already feels like the writing's on the wall for Brian Harson. Well, Eli Drinkwitz, he's still fighting for his job. Nobody, ex- nobody expects him to come in as a seven-point underdog and beat Auburn, or at least shouldn't expect it. Some people are expecting that. So he's going to pull out all the stops. He's going to pull out all the stops. He's going to try to get this win because this is a chance for a win to help jumpstart Missouri into a season that could save his job because he's going to be teetering on the hot seat by the end of the year. And this, this could be a crucial key swing moment for his season. If there's ever a time for Missouri as a football program to beat Auburn's football program, it's right now. I mean, this is this is the best chance that I think they're going to get in a long time if you're Missouri because Auburn's a better program. Auburn should always be a better program yes. than Missouri. And if you want to talk about a time for the Tigers of Missouri to come in and beat Auburn at their home place, this is the year to do it. Hey, uh, I just want to put this out there. Last year, Missouri got a big win against a program that's a lot better than they are in Florida. And that was the nail in the coffin for Dan Mullen's tenure in Gainesville. Yes, it was. Yes, so it was. Can Eli Drinkwitz do it again? I think you're, you're going to see him kind of like we saw Gus Malzahn pull out all the stops in Iron Bowls. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if Eli Drinkwitz does that because there's like there's blood in the water. Auburn Auburn's out there in the middle of the ocean and it and they're they're bleeding. And, and Missouri, on its own, may not be able to take down a team like Auburn. But the fact that Auburn's out there bleeding, they have a chance. And they smell that blood in the water. And I think they're going to come in and pull out all of the stops to try to get this win on Saturday. I promise you Missouri's going to be ready to play. At 11 a.m. Saturday morning, Missouri is going to be ready to play. The question then becomes... Will Auburn be ready to play? Will this all of this talk about being the toughest team and being the in in all of the reps in the weight room and being mentally tough and being a team and all that all the things that Brian Harson has talked about in the offseason, if, if there's ever a time, it was last week, but that didn't happen. So now you gotta come back and say, Okay, we didn't get up and, and perform like we should have last week. How do we respond with all the controversy, with all the noise, with all the the flames around the the seat of Brian Harson? This is the time for the team to rally together. Whether they're going to do it behind their head coach or not, this is the time for guys like Derek Hall, like Tank Bigsby, who came back and decided to play again for Auburn and come together and try to put something together that you can beat Missouri. It shouldn't be this way, but yet here we are. This is where Auburn has become, and this is what they are right now. You've got to come against and come together and rally and put yourselves in position to win this football game against Missouri. Again, it shouldn't get to this point, but that's just what it is. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Let's head to the phone lines. You're on the line. Welcome in. Who are we speaking with? 
Oh, this is Heath from Florida. How are you today, guys? Hey, we're doing, doing all right. We're doing great, man. What you got for us? Good. Uh, it doesn't matter if they put in the best quarterback on earth. If our offensive line can't figure out how to survive at least four decent quarters, um, it, 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 the writing's on the wall for every quarterback they put in the pocket. Uh, at both sides of the line scrimmage, um, we're in bad shape. And guys, I know everybody's harping on the quarterback now. And I like Carson. But uh, if, if, if this year's bad, next year's even worse because he's not recruiting well at all. Yeah. And I'm getting off topic about what you guys – I have limited times. I, have, I can listen to you all day, but I have limited times I can call in. Gotcha. But uh, Auburn's, in, Auburn's in trouble. And I like Carson as a man. I think he's good for the program. He's done a lot of things that, uh, that, that really has helped Auburn as far as being more mm-hmm. – uh, you know, friendly towards the, the, the press and the media. Right. You know, Malzahn will shut everyone out. Yeah. But, I mean, guys, this year, yeah, we're floundering underwater now, but next year we're going to drown. Yeah, you're right and about that. But out there and start recruiting. You know, I, I listened to the drive with Dan yesterday, and, and I think it was AL.com, they said, had done a, uh, a, a local, I guess you might say, a, a survey about the, the coaches. They didn't call anyone coach out. Everybody on the on this on the entire west side of Alabama, they've never been met Brian Horse. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, this is supposed to be a coming out year for, for a lot of the the, 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 the high school kids in Alabama. You know. Where oh yeah. It's it's a historic still. season. It's a historic season yeah. in high school football in terms of the talent leaving high school this year, and the the athletic. I believe it was Aaron Suttles did a. Kind of state of Alabama of, of Alabama recruiting like anonymous thing where he interviewed six coaches uh-huh. uh, across the state, and at, at least half of them spoke incredibly negatively about Brian Harson. One of them just said straight up, "The Auburn staff's doing a bad job." Everybody else seemed to say the staff was doing well, but none of them had met or a lot of them had not met Brian Harson. And yeah, I mean it's it's an indictment on him, and it's an awful awful look. And guys, I, I, I can't I, – I, as much as I want to turn the TV off, I can't. I love Auburn. I've watched him since I was a kid. I live in the panhandle of Florida. I saw the only Auburn fan growing up in life. And boy, I got made fun of for that. I never around Florida State and Florida. I understand you know, that. I, 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 can't, I can't turn the TV off as much as I want to. Because these are, these are, these are five, fifth, and six-year seniors we're dealing with. Yeah. These and guys I, that, have supposedly been trying to – and we're not going – we haven't beat the Power 5 team since we're Ole Miss. And we caught them at a bad time in their season last year after an off week. Uh, and, and they had just started running the gauntlet through that, that, that terrible season they had last year. I, was, I mean, think about it. We haven't beaten a Power 5 team since Ole Miss last yeah. year. Yeah, it's, it's, that's not good when it it's not good when you put it that way, man. Hey, yeah, we're since, up a, since October of 2021. Yeah, we're up against a break. Hey, we really appreciate you calling in from the Panhandle of Florida. We appreciate that. 334-321-1390. Uh, we'll get to the phone lines when we come back after this quick break. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. And let's head back to the phone lines. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey, Jacob and Carter. How y'all doing? We're doing great. How are you? 
Uh, Jacob, if you don't mind, uh, I listen to all these callers play at Byron Harsh. Do you mind if I put the phone down and take a bow for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> yes, go for it, Terry. <laughs> okay. Hold on, I'll take a bow. I just took one. Okay. Okay. If you, uh, have, I, if you have a horn, you could toot that if you wanted to for yourself. <laughs> do you think there's any chance, do you, either one of you guys think there's any chance the staff and the coach and Harson and his staff has already been told they're gone? Or do you think they just automatically know it? No, I don't I don't think. I you, doubt they've been told. One. I mean, because in theory, I mean, they could – they can win out, and they can go ten and two, and they and then they're still they still have the job at that point. But I mean, it's yeah. or they, yeah, they, you know, they go eleven and one, but but yeah, I mean they, they they haven't been told that they're out right now. I mean, they definitely know that that the 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 ice is thin, the and pressure's the, on, and the uh, the the seat is hot, and they're they're skating on some very 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 thin ice right now. Yeah, Cardi, tell me you got across the Pacific on a rowboat, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's about. I mean that 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 that's what I'm saying. I don't think they've been told, but they're they're smart enough to know it. Quite honestly, let's, oh, let's yeah. be straight about it. I mean, they know and the situation. Were, and what you were saying about the high school coaches, I've been hearing that for a while. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So this is not nothing new. This is something he had to repair. And then you remember back in the back in the summer, he had the what were they called the Tiger Transit or something? The Tiger the Tiger Takeover or something like tiger that. Tiger Takeovers. Yeah, all the coaches went out and. Supposedly he was cementing some relationships with with coaches, high school coaches, and making some headway there. I don't know. And didn't then they, it, they, didn't he, it seem like he was doing at least a better job of that? And then you you that see that did. you 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 see that story just the other day off the the athletic, and it's like, well, maybe he really didn't get that much better at it at all. <laughs> yeah, my favorite Brian Harson moment had to be him working in the concession stand, the basketball games. The camera sat on for fifteen minutes, and then he left. So they portrayed it like he was doing it. Out of the goodness, of, and he might have been out of the goodness of his heart, but you did it for you know, fifteen minutes, and that's the tort that the media show. That's why the media, you have to you have to be careful. With it. You have to be mindful of what they're doing sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Look, with the with the whole Tiger takeover thing, I mean, Terry, you and I talked about it when it was happening. We thought, I mean, it was a good idea, and it was something sure, that was needed it, something that needed to happen. And we thought, mm-hmm. I mean, how can this go wrong? How can this be a negative thing? This should only be a positive thing, but. Like Carter kind of mentioned, maybe it didn't gain as much ground as they thought it would. I don't know, man. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine last night back in Talladega who is a big Alabama fan. You realize Alabama has 76 guys in the NFL right now? Yeah. I did not. So, I mean, that's 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 a bunch. That's and a lot. that's what he's up against. because That's, that's a few. The, the NIL and, and those guys in the NFL, that's what Nick Saban and that staff are selling. And if you can't win and do that too, you're not going to make any headway whatsoever. That that quote, I don't know if you read that article on The uh, Athletic, but that quote that, that one coach had, the difference between Auburn and Alabama, every permissible moment that there is to recruit, Alabama's entire staff is out on the road recruiting Meeting with coaches all over the state, all over the southeast, all over the country, really, and then he went as far to say Auburn's just not doing that, and that's when you have the already the advantages that Alabama has with the the reputation of Nick Saban, all the championships, all of the players in the NFL, and you're just an NFL factory. Mm-hmm. Auburn can't get outworked on the recruiting trail, and it feels like they have since day one. Brian Harson walked on campus. Right. Right. Well, listen, you guys have a great day. I don't think I'm gonna go and take another bow. Okay, appreciate it. Enjoy Terry. yourself, Terry. Don't get uh, don't get sore taking too many bows for yourself over there. But uh, you know, I, I've said for years that the way that Nick Saban recruits, his recruiting pitch is very simple. I, I guarantee you, this is exactly how it goes. He walks into the house of the family, shakes the player's hand, shakes the dad's hand, gives the mom a hug. They walk into the living room. They all sit down, and Nick Saban has a binder in his hand. And he sits down at the coffee table on the couch, and he opens up the binder. 
And there's a picture, there's a name, a player that played for him, and there's the salary he's making in the NFL. Yeah. He doesn't say a word. He points to it, and then he flips the page. And you know what? There's another one. There's the picture of the player, there's the name, the years that he played, and the money that he's making in the NFL. And he just keeps on flipping. And he just flips the binder, and 76 pages later, he closes it up and says, here's where you sign. And that's it. That's all Saban has to do, because he wears his rings. I don't even think it's that hard. I think it's, you you wear the rings, all of the rings that he has, and you walk in on a Sunday, and you turn on the television, and you just point every time one of his players pops up on the screen on NFL Sunday. That's right. And you just say, coach him, coach him, coach him, and just... All throughout all the games on, on an NFL Sunday. And that's, that's all it takes. And that's all you really have to do. And it's, look, and, and people want Auburn to become that. And we all want Auburn to become that. But that does not happen overnight. And I think that's what people have to remember is, it, whether it's Brian Harson or whether it's somebody else who's coaching at Auburn, this is not going to happen overnight. Because you know what? Nick Saban didn't do it at Alabama overnight. But... It can happen at Auburn, but it's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen two years from now. It may not even happen five years from now. But it can happen. You just got to find the right guy to do it who puts in the right amount of effort. But what we said with Brian Harson is true with whoever is the coach at Auburn, if whether it's Brian Harson or somebody else, you've got to give them time. And with Brian Harson, we wanted time for him. I still think he deserves a little bit of time, but we've seen some things and some decisions and lack of effort in areas where it just hasn't been pretty. And this yep. experiment has been up and down the entire way. And if it continues to go like it is, it's going to be over at the end of the year, maybe even before then. But if it's Harson or whoever else is after him, time has got to be given because this is not going to happen in a year. Auburn is not going to win a national championship the first year of a head coach more than likely. Can it happen? Sure. But it's probably not going to happen. And Auburn's not going to put 20 guys in the league the first year of a head coach, not the second year, not even the third year. Maybe after the fourth year, that's how you build a program But Auburn's got to give these guys some time because to build what you see at Alabama and what Kirby is now doing at Georgia, it takes a few years to do that. Yeah, I think I think what you're going to see with this next coach, you have a president who who at least is more involved with athletics and understands the importance of it. Your last two presidents, I know one, he wanted athletics to go handle itself. He didn't want to be a part of it. The other one just didn't understand the importance of athletics at Auburn and mismanaged that really, really poorly. So you have that. I think for the first time in a while, you actually do have a little bit of the the boosters at Auburn understanding that, hey, we have to get on the same page. We have to pull in the same direction. We can't be on total opposite ends pulling against each other. I think you got a little bit of that. And then I think you're going to be able to go get a strong coach that is a better fit because I think I think what you're seeing right now with Brian Harson is a series of bad decisions and bad hires that have compounded themselves, dating back to Stephen Leith. Stephen Leith, then you get the he comes in, doesn't understand the importance of athletics at Auburn, gives the Gus Malzahn extension that was really bad and set expectations really high. Then you fire Malzahn. And you get that narrative of wow, Auburn's paying a ridiculous amount of money for it, and then, and then you he brings in Alan Green, up to up to your interpretation, depending on how good of an athletic director Alan Green actually was. Alan Green, I think, may have with the in the chaos of the last coaching search, 
I think you're seeing that Brian Harson may have been a bit, potentially may have been a bit of a panic hire. And you know what? I hate to see it this way. I hate to see that you're, you're, uh, Brian Harson's not even a year and a half into this thing, and he's already on the hot seat, and he's already about to get fired. This is not as crappy as it is or just like head-scratching as it is. This is not a good look for Auburn. It's not. This think, is not a good look. I think whoever's the next coach at Auburn, I don't. I don't think it's possible for it to go worse than this. I had. I had a buddy I talked to yesterday who said they could go get Buddy Anderson, who retired from the from being the head coach for what forty years at Vestavia Hills High School, get him to come out of retirement, and he could he could do put something better than than what we've seen through three weeks this season but isn't this just what the standard has become at Auburn I mean we're about to be in an offseason where we don't have an athletic director and Auburn doesn't have a head football coach I mean that's not a good look and this is what Auburn just is Auburn is always in the headlines for the wrong reasons and in my opinion right now who in their right mind, that I, I truthfully believe this this is coming from the heart as a 22 year old Auburn fan for life who would want to come and coach at Auburn right now as a head football coach? Who Plenty would... of people. I, I, like, I think that is, a, that is a narrative that is out there that is completely untrue. Auburn is still one of the best 15 jobs in the country. It's one of the best. It's one of the only 15 places you can win a national championship. There are coaches that want to compete for I don't think that's possible right now. I don't. I don't think it's possible no, I, right I'm now. Not saying, I'm not saying in year one or year two, in 23 or 24, you're going to see Auburn compete for a championship. It can happen at Auburn. You saw what Gus Malzahn did coming off 3-9 and nine in 2012. Auburn went to the championship game. 2010, you won a championship. 2004, you should have been in the championship. In 2017, you're one win away from being in the college football playoff. Auburn is one of a, about 15 schools that can win a national championship. And therefore, it is one of the most desirable jobs in the country. I don't care what the narrative is around it. I think the situation's a little bit more difficult, too, because during Gus Malzahn's era... All he had to do, he had to beat a good Georgia team and had to beat Alabama. And now you've got to beat he a didn't great take advantage of that. He had to beat a now you've got to beat a great Georgia team and a great Alabama team. You've got to beat them both that, at that, some point. And so it's gotten even harder to do that at Auburn. And I think between just the craziness that is Auburn, the situation of the SEC. Well, the, the, the schedule's gonna change here in two years. And it's only gonna get harder. I don't agree with that, but fair. It's, it's hard to win at Auburn. That's, that's, I think that's the moral of the story here. We're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, as always on Thursday afternoons, we have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on On the Line. Chris, happy Thursday, man. How you feeling through three weeks of college football? Well, you know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks so far, but, you know, we'll see... Uh... We'll see if things get even crazier because, uh, man, it seems like every day gets a little bit crazier for you guys on the plane. Yeah, we uh, we are not we're not hurting for content or something to talk about down here in Auburn. I can promise you that, man. Yeah, I mean, I, look the, the new the new fresh news that you know I know you guys have been talking about that that everybody's kind of uh, 
you know, at least around the SEC, we're all kind of raising an eyebrow. Uh, you know, I had somebody ask me last week, as bad as the quarterback play was getting, they said, hey, what's the deal with Calzada? Like, this is a dude who beat Bama last year, obviously played pretty well at uh, at A&M. Why has he not even gotten a chance to, to take snaps at Auburn? Because we know he was banged up from the shoulder surgery in, the, in you know during the spring practice and spring ball and all that. But everything we'd kind of heard when, when fall ball got started was, okay, he's back in the mix and all this, but never really got back in the mix. And so now hearing that he's going to have shoulder surgery, you know, you almost wonder, like, did, did he take a look at this team and say, man, this is a lost cause. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and have surgery. Could I have played through it? Uh, just going to be really interesting to see what happens here. But, man, does it put them in a tough spot against the zoo now where, you know, you, you don't have Finley and now it's it's all Robbie Ashford and, and – Holden Garner, who I would guess some Auburn fans may be saying, throw the freshman out there. Let's let's just see what he can do. This season's already a lost cause. I think some people may feel that way. Yeah, Chris, we were we were talking about that earlier, but at the same time, it's a win now must win mode for this staff, and I just have a hard time seeing them throw the freshman out there. That's why I think uh, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Robbie Ashford. But what what exactly are you expecting from Auburn on Saturday at the quarterback position? Uh, competency. Let's get let's score some points. Uh, let's get some first downs. I mean, you know, like that's I think that's always just so shocking to me in the Penn State game was just how abysmal things went. And I mean, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, the defense I thought played their asses off in that first half. And you know, for you to for it to still be a one score game at halftime, I was thinking, all right, let's you know, you're going to get the ball coming out at halftime. Let's go down the field, get points, even if it's just a field goal. You send a message to Penn State that, hey, we're, we're here to play. Instead, you get sacked, you go three and out, you punt the ball to them, they score in three plays, you get the ball again, and then you fumble and, and lose it again, and they get points again. Suddenly it's 21 to, or 24 to 6, or uh, yeah, 24 to 6 at that point, and, and you're done. I mean, you're, there's no way you're going to come back to score two touchdowns to, to, and, and keep stopping them to win that game. And so it was really one of those games that where like the boulder just started rolling down the hill, down the hill, but. <laughs> You know, people have been asking me all week, like, what's up with Tank Bigsby? Like, the kid, <laughs> he was average, you know, nine carries for 39 yards. is It's nothing to write home about, but, like, he was effective. Like, why were they not feeding him the ball more? And I guess the simple answer is the drives, they couldn't keep the drives alive. You know, it was it was either turnovers or, you know, punting, uh, you know, third uh, failed third down conversions and all that, but... Um, you know, I, I just think that the simplest, the simplicity of this offense needs to be Tank Bigsby needs to be touching the ball and he needs to be touching it a lot. And I know the offensive line, there's some concerns there, but it, it's as simple as that, guys. I mean, look, we'll see what Ashford can do. Uh, maybe get some short crossing routes, some simple outs, some, some things where he can make some simple throws to, to try to move the chains and, and get some first downs. But it's got to be a heavy dose of Tank. And, you know, you hate to put that boulder on his shoulders but man like he's your best player he's got to be getting at least 20 plus touches a game we're speaking with chris gordy host of the locked on sec podcast here on on the line chris you talk about the quarterback play and the lack of 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 running plays for tank bigsby in the penn state game with the loss that was 41 to 12 was it a lack of of skill players on offense and defense that Auburn lost that football game, or was it the game plan that Auburn came in with? I mean, what what were the main reasons that Auburn just could not compete on either side of the football with Penn State? Yeah, I just uh, TJ's not 
you know, whether it was he wasn't healthy or what, TJ just was not the guy. I mean, he was not um, up to the occasion, uh, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, you know, Shedrick Jackson loses a fumble. That was huge. I mean, there were just it was like just these big self-inflicted wounds throughout the game that you're just going, God, man, what are we doing? Like, we're playing – are you sure we're not, the, we're not the road team? Like, that's what it felt like when I'm watching that game as Penn State kept, you know, gathering momentum. I was like, it feels like Auburn's the road team here. Um, you know, the fans brought it. I got to give it to the Auburn fans. I mean, they, they were loud. That stadium was rocking, you know, that first half. It's just you got to give the fans something to get excited about. <laughs> that's the unfortunate part of it. Uh, T.J. Finley has not progressed. He has not gotten better. And again, you know, there's some thought that he was maybe playing through an injury. Well, okay, if you if you're going to play that poorly and and you're playing through injury, then I got to go with somebody else. You know, it's got to be Ashford. And I thought Ashford did some good things when he got in the game. The, the interception hurt, um, but he did lead him on a touchdown drive. So there were some positives there. But uh, and I'm trying not to overreact to one game, right, guys? I mean, it, it is the mm-hmm. first loss of the season. You have not played an SEC game yet. Your whole season and, and hopes are technically still in front of you. You go out there, you beat Missouri this weekend, you're 1-0 in the conference, and you know, you're bring in an LSU team that you don't really know what LSU is just yet. So uh, this thing can get better. It can turn around, but they're going to have to give Robbie some, some, uh, some plays that suit his needs and maybe have the mm-hmm. whole week to game plan that it's Robbie Ashford's show this weekend that – um, you know, maybe maybe they'll give him some things that'll open this offense up a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, just what I saw on Saturday—that is not an offense that is going to win many games in the in the SEC. Uh, not executing. Yeah, Chris. With that being a forty-one to twelve loss, a twenty-nine point loss, I think it shocked everybody, including Vegas, because the line was what three. Just how shocking was that for you to watch and? What did it really remind you of, I guess, in Auburn history in terms of performances in Jordan Hare? Because Auburn doesn't get blown out at home that often. Yeah, and I th- like I said, I think the score is a little misleading. Like, have we, have we uh, had all things being, been being equal and we fired it up and played that game again this weekend with all the same cast of characters? You know, Auburn probably keeps it closer. It was just one of those things, like I said, defense played lights out the first half. You keep it a one-score game, and then just Penn State cap. You know, you you made the mistakes, and then Penn State capitalized on every one of those mistakes in the second half. So, like I said, the, the boulder rolling downhill is the, is the best comparison I can make because you know when when things start unraveling, they unravel very quickly. But yeah, it, Auburn should not have lost that that poorly if that's if that's a compliment. <laughs> you know, like it, it should have been closer. Um, you know, the fans brought it, the defense brought it, at least in the first half. Uh, just the offensive execution was not there. When you don't execute, you're facing a a veteran quarterback like Sean Clifford, and then you know some of those running backs that Penn State has that are probably going to be playing on Sundays one day. Uh, you know, Singleton was fantastic. Allen did some good things. Um, that's that's uh, that's a tough team that that you lost to. Again, no shame in losing to a good Penn State team, but you know, again, uh, I was just the, the execution wasn't there, and I thought the game plan was pretty poor to begin with. We have Chris Gordy on the phone, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, as Auburn gets ready for Missouri on Saturday in what most people have deemed a must-win game for Brian Harson and this staff, what does Auburn need to do successfully to beat Missouri on Saturday, a game where before the season we didn't count this as any chance Auburn could lose, but now there's some serious doubts. Yeah, I mean, the good news is Mizzou doesn't really do anything very well on offense. 
Uh, they do have two, two dynamic playmakers. Dominic Lovett is, is a really good receiver. In fact, I believe he's top five in the SEC right now in receiving yards. Um, he's a big-time playmaker. And then Luther Burden, of course, is the guy. If you just look at his numbers, they're not eye-popping yet. Seven carries for 40 yards and, and I believe 10 catches for 78. None of that is eye-popping. He was the number one wide receiver recruit in the country this past year. But we did see a wild moment from this past weekend against Abilene Christian. Yeah, the big, I think it was like a 78, 80-yard uh, punt return for a touchdown. That got Mizzou on the board first. He has game-breaking speed. There's still just, you know, Eli Drinkwitz is still trying to find ways to get him that ball, you know, in the flow of the offense and, and, and let him hit the, that home run ball. And, and that could be this week. But I would just say for Auburn, those are the main two guys to worry about. I'm, all, I'm watching Lovett where he is. I'm watching Luther Burton where he is. But Mizzou has always kind of been a, a team that could run the ball very well. You remember Tyler Beatty last year ran the mm-hmm. ball very well for them. Um, right now, you know, Cody Schrader and, and, and Nathaniel Pete, they're fine. They're, they're nothing special, nothing to write home about. So I would say we'd start there for Auburn, you know, uh, trying to slow down that run game, which I think they can do. And then Brady Cook is still a new quarterback settling into his role. You know, he's got 600 yards passing on the year, four touchdowns, three interceptions, been sacked a couple of times. Uh, I think he's a guy that, that Auburn can get after and, and uh, you know, and get some sacks and, and force some turnovers and create that pressure. It's just the problem becomes, guys, if Auburn's defense is doing that and they're getting turnovers, what's the offense doing with it? Are they going to make them pay and go, go get touchdowns and field goals and make them uh, you know, regret those mistakes? Or are they going to go three and out and punt the ball right back to Mizzou? It could be an ugly, ugly low-scoring game if that happens, but um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just my, my scouting report on Mizzou is, is quarterback play not great, running game not great, uh, wide receivers, two, you know, one really, really good one, one that's up and coming, but it's nothing that Auburn can't handle. Again, this is one that I think uh, would be an early game, man, you just hope the fans could show up and show out and provide a little bit of home field advantage because this is a game Auburn absolutely should win. Chris, as we look around the rest of the SEC, we've got a couple interesting ranked matchups. You've got number 20, Florida, going on the road to number 11, Tennessee, and number 10, Arkansas, playing that neutral site game in Arlington against number 23, Texas A&M. What are you looking for in those two games, especially them being the, the two premier games in the SEC this weekend? You know, Florida-Tennessee is the rivalry. I mean, you know, everybody asking why, uh, you know, how does – Florida have any chance in this one? It's because it's a rivalry game. The, the Gators get up for this one, no matter how, how bad uh, they are. I think they're going to give their best effort on 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 Saturday. Um, it's funny talking with fans of, of both these teams, guys. You know, sometimes in the SEC we get very confident in our teams where we start talking trash, and you know, Alabama fans are very big on this. Georgia fans are very big on this. In the SEC, have, Chris, are you serious? Yeah, but but then you have some jaded fans and and right now you know at least my friends who are Tennessee and, and, and Florida fans they're very jaded uh my Tennessee fans are going or you know friends are going yeah we're 3-0 man but look this is Florida it's a rivalry game man Anthony Richards is going to run all over us and you know we'll be lucky to win but man they got our number you know it's just it's like it's like uh you know doomsday scenario or or, or thinking for the fan base then for Florida they're looking at it going are you kidding me? Anthony Richards has to throw a touchdown pass all year. I mean, we're going to get our brains beat in. It's just so funny. It's like both fan bases are almost in like a sadistic mode of like talking down about themselves and their team. 
But I, look, I think Hendon Hooker is a stud in not just the SEC in the country. I, I I want them to go out there and execute. They are banged up a little bit. We're still going to have to see if Cedric Tillman's going to play. Jabari Small, the running back, he's been banged up. Uh, so if they're missing either of those guys, it's going to hurt Tennessee's offense big time. Jalen Hyatt uh, is quickly becoming a superstar in this league. He's already at 267 yards and three touchdowns. He's basically matched his production through his first two years at Tennessee already, just this season alone. Uh, home field advantage for Tennessee. I look at it like this: This is a proving game for Tennessee. This is, hey man, you're you're back in a in you know number 11th in the country. You're a top 20 team. Go act like top 20 teams. Go and take advantage of of, of this opportunity. Go beat Florida's brains in and send them backpacking to, to Gainesville. And for Billy Napier, it's hey, what is year one? We knew this was going to be a rebuilding year. You know, you go and lose this this game. I don't know if it's like you know, hey, let's burn Billy Napier at the stake. I think it's more just. Hey, look, there's going to be some growing pains, and we're developing. But even if Florida loses, they need Anthony Richardson to look better because he could not have looked worse these last two weeks after the big win against Utah. He looked terrible against Kentucky. He didn't look great in the South Florida win through two bad interceptions. Florida's got to get Anthony Richardson right, even if they don't win this game. But, yeah, man, it's hard not to take Tennessee in those points. Again, everybody keeps telling me it's a rivalry game. Florida's going to, win, you know, Florida's going to keep this close. We'll see. I just wonder if that crowd in Knoxville can – can really show what the home field advantage is and let Tennessee run away with it. And then the night game, man, you talk about just two teams that, like, what are you right now? Arkansas is 3-0. and They lead not just the SEC, they lead the country in sacks. Drew Sanders leads, I think he's the leading sacker in the country at five and a half sacks. But yet they have the worst passing defense in the country. Arkansas ranks dead last in passing defense. That secondary has not been good. You played three teams that have, you know, torch you through the air. All three quarterbacks you've faced so far have thrown for 300 yards on you. And now you face Texas A&M, who can't throw the football. I mean, Haynes King was the guy. They switched to Max Johnson. He made some decent throws last week in the win over Miami, but didn't set the world on fire by any means. I'll tell you this. If Max Johnson throws for 300 yards against Arkansas, A&M's going to win the football game. Uh, I think it's on Arkansas to, to take care of business, execute with the run game. Rocket Sanders is the leading rusher in the SEC run all over A&M, go get touchdowns, don't settle for field goals, and slow down A&M's run game. Devon Shane has not gotten going yet. I thought he was going to be among the leaders this year in rushing in the SEC. He has not even had a 100-yard rushing game yet. That's usually Jimbo Fisher's bread and butter. I was looking at it. They're, they're ranked around 100th, 120th right now in rushing in the country. A&M the last two years is ranked, uh, I think they were 40-something last year. They were 26th the year before in rushing, like, that's Jimbo's bread and butter, and AM has not run the ball very well. Their defense has played pretty well. That's how they got the win against Miami last week. But Arkansas, my goodness, what were you doing against Missouri State and Bobby Petrino? I'd like to think it was a look-ahead spot. You know, AM playing App State was playing look-ahead to Miami. I think Arkansas was playing Missouri State looking ahead to the AM game. And, man, if Arkansas can get the win this week, which I think they do, I still don't know why AM is a two-point favorite. But if Arkansas wins this game, man, does it set up for a monster matchup at home next week, hosting Alabama and Fayetteville. And you win that one, man, and you're in the driver's seat for the SEC West the rest of the year. Sam Pittman, they're, they're, they start erecting a statue for him in Fayetteville if he does that. So big, big game for both teams. I think if Jimbo Fisher at A&M pulls off the, the win here, man, we forget about the App State game. We're going to look at Jimbo. He's won back-to-back ranked, you know, games against ranked opponents. They're undefeated in the SEC, and – Maybe Jimbo Fisher still has something to play for, still you know, to compete for the SEC West title. So big, big game for both teams in this one. 
Well, Chris, there's some good games around the Southeastern Conference this weekend. We're looking forward to it. We appreciate you coming on as always. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Locked On SEC, man. Yeah, just uh, search Locked On SEC wherever you get your podcasts for previewing the uh, the big one today, the the, the Tennessee uh, Florida game. We also had a good one this week with Chris Marler talking about some odd stats around the SEC. Never thought that we'd be talking about Vanderbilt having a running back that you know is the second in the SEC in rushing yards, and Tank Bigsby's like seventh. I never thought we'd be talking about that, but uh, here we are. Yeah, we didn't think that either. Well, Chris, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we're going to have an Auburn victory to talk about and some good SEC games. That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We always appreciate him uh, coming on. We'll talk to him next week on Thursday. Let's get to our final break. But first, it's a giveaway time. We've got two tickets, Auburn versus Missouri on Saturday, 11 a.m. First one to call, you get the tickets, 334-321-1390. We've got two Auburn-Missouri football tickets to give away. Be the first one to call, you get them. We'll go to the break. We'll come back and wrap up this Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We've got a winner for the Auburn-Missouri tickets. you got to be ready and, and uh, be on your toes when be you quick. listen to our show. you got to be quick. We had about Extremely five people quick. had five people call in within about 20 seconds and had some, a few more callers after that. But we do have a winner, so uh, congratulations. We have given away the Auburn and uh, Missouri tickets. What's the name over there, Carter? I believe it's Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones. Well, congratulations, Mr. Jones. We appreciate you listening in. We appreciate everybody calling in. Don't worry. If you missed out on our tickets, the drive will be giving away two tickets for Auburn and Missouri as well. Uh, Not sure how they're going to handle it, though. Uh, We'll see how they do it. But stay tuned from 4 to 6. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They'll be giving away two pairs or a pair of two tickets for Auburn and Missouri as well. So be sure to stay tuned. They'll have you call in, uh, and you can try to win them over there. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's always exciting to uh, give away tickets and then uh, have our last segment before the uh, drive gets on the air. Hey, uh, I don't know if you saw this. I had it in our making headlines segment, but it uh, we didn't get to it because we, we we started talking about Auburn and the quarterbacks so much. Do you see what's going on at Kansas right now? Undefeated, baby. Undefeated. Three Kansas is hosting three and O Duke. Yeah, baby. And game, game of the week. They've sold out at, at well, I forget what the stadium's called. But we are talking about, yes, this is the school that, you know, when they beat Texas years ago, like they rushed the field with like 200 people. And they couldn't and, even cover the logo. <laughs> now they are, they have a sold out stadium for an undefeated Kansas taking on an undefeated Duke team. I love that. That's I would amazing. love, I would love to see the stat on the last time Kansas like officially sold out a football game. It would have to be. Maybe that I mean maybe the Texas game. See if you can figure that out. I know that's no, a tough. They did not sell out that Texas game. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's a tough task in two minutes. But see if you can find that. I, I would be genuinely curious to see when the last time Kansas football sold out a football game. And look, doesn't mean they're all going to be there. That includes you know season ticket holders and stuff like that. But the first sellout since November second, twenty nineteen. Okay, all right. When they when they what game was that? Against Kansas State, it's their second sellout in nearly thirty. Which this is their second sellout in thirteen years. Wow, 
Wow, that is that's <laughs> something. But yeah, Kansas playing Duke on Saturday. Two uh, college basketball blue bloods are undefeated. You've got Kansas undefeated. You have Duke undefeated. UNC UNC's undefeated. Who's Kentucky's undefeated. Kentucky? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, four of the biggest blue bloods in college basketball are undefeated in college football. And of course, one of them has to come to an end on Saturday when Kansas and Duke play. But uh, I think Indiana. And UCLA are undefeated too. UCLA and and Indiana have no business being undefeated, but are. But they are. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's a it's a crazy world we live in right now in college football. But uh, yeah, I did see that where Kansas sold out. They've got Duke on Saturday. I don't know how good of a game it's going to be. It's probably I I don't know, but I'll at least have it on somewhere, or at least have the score uh, pulled up to where I can keep up with it. But a uh, big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Just got off the phone with him. Uh, we are about out of time. But if you missed any of the show today, go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. Enter the SEC football challenge there as well. It closes tomorrow night at midnight. That's it for the Thursday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. We're going to have Auburn versus Missouri preview and a whole lot more on the Friday edition of On the Line.